Welcome to Season 2, Episode 11. This is the Southeastern Conference Championship Game Edition of the world's most famous podcast. He is the foot, Kevin Butler. I am the mouth, Jeff Dantzler. KB, great to see you today. Well, it's good to see you too, Jeff. Sorry about the uh, empty week last week, but with the holidays, which is wonderful, Thanksgiving was a great, great holiday. Uh, we both had a little um, off-the-field business we had to take care of and uh, send out the condolences to you. We we lost Tilly last week and uh, almost lost Joe, so we didn't want him to go both together. Didn't want either of them to go, but uh, we got um, Joe out of the hospital and were able to have a great Thanksgiving. And then we went to Atlanta and took care of some good business, which is always fun, and you can purchase and you might have. We did. You already purchased the Christmas tree, so congratulations. Another year of whipping the dreaded enemy. And we will talk enemy. We will talk Bayou Bengals as we continue on. Here it comes, Episode 11, SEC Championship Game Edition of Foot and Mouth. Kevin, uh, very glad, uh, relieved, thankful that JoJo is okay. Uh, he needs to follow doctor's orders. Uh, he did uh, was ordered to eat vegetables and water and had uh, pretzels, peanuts, and two beers. Yeah, and that's and not exactly following orders. Well, no, I think um, if you look up diverticulitis, uh, it says Worst no popcorn. To have. <laughs> yeah, popcorn. So what did he have? He had popcorn. Peanuts. Peanuts. What did he have? And he washed them down with um, some good draft beer. There you go. Which is water and vegetables. Which just on an empty stomach, draft beer will make you, um, it'll make you talk out your ass. Yes. So we are glad JoJo's okay. And as KB mentioned, and I, uh, I don't want to get too much into it, or I'm going to lose it here. But our uh, sweet little Tilly passed away on Friday morning. It was uh, just beyond heartbreaking. Anybody who's, you know, a dog person, a, a pet lover, knows how that feels, and it's. Uh, it's it's kind of a crazy thing. I had so many people tweet at me and text at me and message me that that win Saturday was for Tilly, and uh, she had gotten lost, oh gosh, I think maybe in the, the spring of 18, the, the time uh, kind of runs together, summer of 18, and uh, we were just looking for it. And it turns out, typical, I made the mistake of broadening my search, and she was just <laughs> on the other side of the fence. She had found a little hold. I think she had gotten scared. And I'm just sitting there paying like, oh, God, if I could just please get her back. I don't even care if we lose to Tech. Please get her back. Oh, my gosh. So we got her back. And um, then uh, Emily got me for uh, my birthday some Tilly socks. You've seen those. Very famous. I like them. They're socks with Tilly's little picture on there. So uh, I I figured that Tech gave them like, well, this is my day of reckoning here. I made the deal to get my girl back. But I wore the Tilly socks and Georgia beat Tech. And. Uh, wore the Tilly socks when Georgia beat Notre Dame, and then again this past Saturday, and and I know uh, she's on that rainbow bridge and did not, uh, you know, it's, it's when you when you have a loss like that, I think it's good to have 
something else to to keep you occupied. So certainly having the game on Saturday, then to go out and KB, that was certainly for Tilly as we and and even the first lady uh, texted me and said uh, that last touchdown was for her because that got the record for both most points against Tech and the largest margin of victories. That was a very special day for us. Well, it was a great, great win. You know, it was, uh, I think Georgia did what they needed to do last week. You know, they went out there and took care of business. They started a little slow. Uh, really not really slow in the first quarter. I think uh, our defense was out there playing just as, you know, tough as they've been playing. But second quarter got a little sloppy, put the ball on the ground twice, uh, missed a field goal. Onside kick. Onside kick. We had it and we lost it. Um, just some mistakes that you don't need to make. Certainly can't make coming up this weekend. So um, Georgia got it right. They went at halftime, do what they've done at halftime all year long. They made some adjustments, come back out, three plays, score a touchdown. And from that point, it was pretty much over. I mean, Georgia dominated. Um, some other things happened late in the game we'll get to. But uh, overall, Georgia had a, a terrific season. You know, we, we looked at what we did against South Carolina, and I think it was pretty obvious we did it to ourselves. I mean, South Carolina played good that day, but since that time, they kind of blew it. Once they, they beat Georgia, their season was made, and they have really gone downhill uh, since then. And I think that uh, nationally looks bad on Georgia. Obviously, people keep bringing that up. But, you know, Georgia still hung up 52 on Georgia Tech this week. Um, you know, as you look at our opponents throughout the year, um, our defense, you know, if you average out the rank of the defense, I was doing some calculating this morning in the uh, Butler Think Cave, uh, which uh, really has to have coffee and a comfortable chair. Um, and we are averaging around 47th defense that we uh, – uh, have played this year. So if you look at it, out of 130 teams, 47th, that's pretty good competition on a weekly basis. You look at our opponent this coming week, they're right there at the 46. So uh, evenly matched up about what kind of defenses this offense was playing. And, and certainly when you look at LSU, they've almost doubled the production that Georgia has done on offense in scoring. And that's really where it stops. And you were going through those numbers and – where it really stands out when you look at the, the ranks of the defense when Georgia played them, that SEC stretch in November of Florida, Missouri, Auburn, and Texas A&M, those are all top 25 defenses, and clearly uh, Florida and Auburn, top 10 defenses nationally. And then I think when you look at just some of the accomplishments of this team this season, uh, Florida and Notre Dame, uh, both go 10-2, and two, a terrific Auburn team that goes 9-3. and three. Texas A&M, KB, you said this on, on Saturday, they might be the best 7-5 and five team of all time with that schedule they played. Holy cow. Yeah, I mean, it really is. you got to look at the, um, the the whole, you know, breadth of work that they've done for the year. You know, we even look, you know, people going, oh, Appalachian State, you know, Georgia played App State, nothing. They ranked 19th in defense. Yeah. I mean, they have got a good defense. Um you, you look at other teams and, and you, you know, you look and see what, you know, where Georgia Tech, obviously, they're down near 111th, I think, in defense. Um, it, it gets to a point where you're going to play team, teams that are weaker than what you anticipated, uh, you know, when, when you scheduled them. And, um, you know, that's being held against universities now. That's being held against teams. Uh, and, you know, you don't see it probably more clear than, you know, when you look at a, a, a Clemson. Uh, we talk about it. I mean, Clemson, um, me and you sit here, you know, the one or two, certainly. They're number one or two in, in the nation. Um, they've won two out of three national championships we're just talking about. They roll through the weakest, weakest conference 
in America, and you can almost put in the Division II teams. The ACC is pitiful, absolutely pitiful from top to bottom. And you got to rank Clemson in there, too. When, when you're, you have the number one team, and then you can kind of corner the seller uh, with uh, 11, 12, 13, and 14 ranked teams in your conference, um, there's just not competition. Does that make Clemson a worse team? Uh, not in my eyes. Uh, I think they're strong. I think they know how to play good football when their opponents are good football teams. And I think you're going to see that here. They're going to whitewash Virginia, uh, 26 point, 29 point that's spread. Yeah. I mean, that's that's not even work being on TV. You know, they should do it on a black and white rabbit ears in South Carolina only because everybody else doesn't care about that game because it's not a game. It's a joke because the conference is a joke competitively. Well, and they've almost become uh, what the AFC East has been for so long. You talk about the, the fountain of youth and the gift that keeps on giving. My, my, the, the, the weekday, you, Chris Brame, always said that with the Patriots, as great as they are, the Dolphins, Jets, and Bills, though the Bills are good this year, have been, for the most part, horrible for all these years. And listen, it's not Clemson's fault that the rest of the league has fallen off, but just to give you an example of what KB was talking about, that's a seventh straight year that you've had a different champion from the Coastal Division. So clearly there's not that dominant team on the other side for Clemson to face. And then the other part, when they do get to the playoff, they are not a beaten-up football team. I mean, when you look at what George yeah. has gone through, what LSU has gone through, so it's you know it, it's one of those deals. You, know, you think about if you were a if you were a boxer, if you had to go through uh, Norton, Frazier, and Foreman to get to Ali, as opposed to just fighting Ali. No doubt, th- that's a big-time different story. No doubt, it's a huge difference, and I think it plays out in the playoffs. I think you see Clemson kind of look like those SEC teams do in midseason when they just seem to get stronger in that fourth quarter because they haven't had to exert energy. They and haven't they got the depth. And they've got depth, and they've got the best talented players out there. So, you know, can they turn it on when they want to? Well, history tells us, yes, they can. Um, and we're going to see the exact same thing. It really just depends on if for some reason they fall to two or if they jump into one. Um, it's going to be hard to keep them – out of the two spot because I think no matter what happens this weekend, you're going to see a LSU. If they roll Georgia, they're going to be number one or two. If Ohio State's rolls their opponent, which they will do this weekend, Wisconsin, you know, was not even a test for them earlier. Um, they want to have LSU and, and, and Ohio State um, play each other in the final. I mean, if you look at it right now, those are the two best teams. Those would be the two guys that I would pick right now, Clemson, Ohio State. But you really got to think about what happens to LSU. Do they stay at one and possibly play the, 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 the team that sneaks in? And, and then you put Ohio State and Clemson together? I mean, it's going to be a, a pretty interesting uh, pick for that, that committee, uh, really depending on what happens this week. And, you know, each of the predictions of – just about every conference championship is lopsided. So it's um, it'll be interesting to see what happens Sunday. Uh, and you mentioned, I, I thought from the, the two coaches that have combined for the last four national championships, please throw me in that briar patch. I thought bad looks for both Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney. Kind of going back to what you alluded to with Dabo, who was absolutely butchering the English language as he was going on this diatribe. 
uh, about nobody wants to say, well, that's not at all the case. And, and again, it's not his fault that the rest of the ACC is down, but they've won two of the last three national championships. They're 12-0, and 0, and they've got the number one recruiting class in the country. Please throw me in that briar patch. What in the world do you have to complain about? And I get these coaches that they're always trying to, oh, it's, it's us against the world. Well, that's absurd. They've been the kingpin. And then with Saban, the, the, it wasn't fair spare me trying to get sympathy for Alabama I could go back to 1818 and list off a lot of things that weren't fair that was simply a case with what Auburn did on the the quote-unquote punt big picture Auburn was not going to go for that first down on on fourth and seven Saban got duped Uh, much like Estelle Costanza said when she found out that Donna Chang you're not Chinese I was duped. <laughs> Nick Saban was duped by Gus, and instead of just tipping his cap, he went with the it's not fair. And, again, for Georgia fans everywhere, I could go back to one eight one eight, and uh, certainly some calls in the SEC championship game last year and give off a long list of things that aren't fair. Uh, many of Alabama's opponents through the years could do that same thing. I just thought, KB, it was bad looks for the two guys that have been on top of the heat. Well, I think it was. You know, I, I think the world of Dabo Sweeney, I've, I've played golf with him. I've got to know him. Uh, I was disappointed. Um, you know, maybe South Carolina as a whole state doesn't get ESPN. I'm not sure if they everybody can receive it in that state. But, you know, you're getting mad that you're not being talked about as much as everybody else. But you, there's nothing to talk about. Each week you beat an inferior opponent. You beat them down. You are in the top four. You will be in the playoffs. We will talk about you then. So good for you for being in that spot. Absolutely. Don't start complaining to me about people not talking about you all the time. There is no reason for them to talk about you yet. There will be talk of Clemson, and they will probably be talked about through, you know, the, the semifinal game and possibly into the finals. I mean, they are that type of a team. But don't sit here and tell me that you want to talk about Clemson versus South Carolina uh, when, when uh, you know, Ohio State and Michigan are playing, when, when Georgia's playing, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the Texas A&M. Or, you know, Georgia and Georgia Tech, if you're in Atlanta or Georgia, you're going to hear about them. Outside of that, you're not going to hear about that game because the opponent is inferior. So Clemson needs to just keep their mouth shut, keep doing what they're doing. They're doing it as good as anybody in the nation. Their time will come. Um, Nick got beat. Nick got outcoached. Um, Nick said it was unfair. Um, it's Auburn. He's not going to admit anything to Auburn. We would not at Georgia admit anything to Florida. Um, Nick, what is unfair is the way he treats his specialty teams, the way he talks and deals with kickers that he does not feel is as important to part of the game. Um, They are a ridiculous special team team. They do not know how to coach kickers. They do not know what it takes to make a kicker better. They do not know, and nobody's even talked about it, the hold on that kick was about as bad a hold as I've ever seen. It tilted to the kicker, which is death. I don't care if you're Morton Anderson, Adam Vinatieri, or Kevin Butler, or Rodrigo. If that ball is tilted towards you, it's a pretty damn good chance you're not going to make that kick. Nobody's ever said anything about that. The quarterback should not be the holder. 
They should have a punter, holder, because he's with that kicker all day. He's with that snapper all day. All right, let me jump in here real quick because I've asked you before. I'm like, okay, would it not be wise to have the backup quarterback as the holder? But that's where you jumped into with no, the punter not at because all. of how you're practicing. Well, every he's day. never around. I mean, he's okay. over there behind the first quarterback. If the first quarterback gets hurt, guess what you got now as your holder? Great point. You're you're starting quarterback. Um, it's it's remedial. It's a simple thought process, and coaches that don't think about it until the end, they go out and they got a they got a fine kicker last year, and they they he chose Alabama over Georgia, um, for more personal reasons. But it was a dumb, dumb, dumb decision. You're going to a school that treats kickers like crap, and don't support kickers, and has the worst record for field goals. And I don't know the last four years, maybe. No, it's since two thousand seven. A hundred and one misses. They've missed more than thirty field goals more than the second team. And you think about, it, they've won five national championships with that. Well, if, there, I mean, if there's a kicker oh out there God. that's thinking about going to Alabama, call me up and let me talk to your parents. Let me talk some sense into you. Go somewhere like Georgia that develops kickers, and you know and. And that doesn't happen. If they don't get somebody in at Georgia, much like myself, to develop the kicker that's coming in next year, our best place kicker is on the team now. Our best place kicker is on the team now at another position. And that might be what has to happen next year because the kid that's coming in next year, you, you don't he know. ain't going to get better just coming in and being on campus. No. If he doesn't have a coach, which he doesn't, which he won't have a coach at Georgia. He'll have a specialty team coach, but he will not have a kicking coach. The coaches deserve every miss they get when they don't address it, just like they address a quarterback. And you know what? When you don't have the right quarterback coach for your quarterback, his feet aren't proper, his throws aren't good, and we're seeing a little bit of that at Georgia because that's what's troubled Jake this year. He lost a great coach last year, and um, – you know, it was obviously somebody that he was in tune with. Talk about Jay Johnson. Jay Johnson. And, uh, you know, every position needs a coach, and the coaches that don't think every position needs a coach, that coach needs a coach. I'll, I'll always say this, and certainly watching college football as it's morphed and become a little bit more quarterback than tailback in, in the stage we're in now, but, and definitely in the pros, in football, you better. If you want to win a championship – you better trust your quarterback and your kicker, which leads me to the logical conclusion. You need to have a good quarterback's coach. You need to have a good kicking coach. Yeah, but that's just – that's not going to happen. And I don't, I don't know of any college that has a kicking coach. Now, they might have a special team coach that says he's a kicking coach. But until you have a kicking coach that has done it, been at every level and done it, you don't have the best coach. Agreed. I mean, I'll, I'll throw out there, too, it's kind of the difference. I, I know baseball. I love it. I could I could call, uh, p- pick a pitcher, Clayton Kershaw, Madison Bumgarner. I could call his game, fastball, curveball. I can't go out there and teach him how to throw a better breaking ball. I can't coach him on the mechanics. Absolutely. There's, there's an enormous difference from calling a game and setting things up. And, and I think it, so many times because – 
with a quarterback or a kicker. That's one of the unique positions, as we say a lot. If I've got three great offensive tackles, I can slide one of them to guard. If I've got two great tailbacks, I can get them on the field at the same time. But quarterback, kick, kicker, I guess like with your Blackhawks with a goalkeeper in soccer, you got a goalie. It's you've, that's the one spot where there's only one of you out there, and, and I just think is as much as anything with those two positions, so much of it is mental. And and you did such a great job developing Rodrigo and making him mentally tougher. And I mean, with Jake, he is as tough a kid as there is. You know, some and yes, there's a lot that goes into the mechanics and the like. But you've also got to be able, I think, sometimes and just uh, sit down and just be able to, to share the, the expertise with someone. Well, I think it's also just how to bounce back, how to mentally make yourself tougher, which makes you more competitive, which gives you confidence to go out there and do your job. Um, you know, we've seen Rodrigo uh, miss a couple of key kicks this year. Um, but for the most part, he's a, a vital, vital part of our offense. Um, this weekend, we don't need any more he's misses. He's got to be perfect this weekend. He needs yeah. to be perfect. Um, you know, it, it's something that uh, that needs to be the most important thing to him is being perfect and winning championships. When kickers start worrying about awards, mm-hmm. start talking about awards and that becoming more important than them, you are mentally not focused on what your job is at hand. Your job right now is to go out there this week and to make every single kick and be as efficient as you possibly can so that you help your team out. That's the award you should be worrying about. Not the Groza Award, not the (laughs) All-Americans. It's just, it's something that you need to be focused on the task at hand. And we are going to need all 80 guys, or however many we can dress out this weekend, We need all of those guys to be in tune starting yesterday. We're we're taping on Tuesday and going right through till kickoff on Saturday. And then for 60, 70, 80 minutes, whatever it's going to take of playing time, um, it's going to take a full effort. Well, you're exactly right. And if you focus on doing your job, the awards take care of themselves. Uh, You ever heard of a pretty good golfer named Jack Nicklaus? I recall. He finished second in 19 majors. He, he also, doesn't talk about that much. He also won 18. How about but that? The Golden Bear on that, the, the brilliant Golf Channel piece that they did, Jack, uh, the, the ones they did, Jack and Arnie, and were, were just incredible pieces. But uh, he talked about, because at the time when he was playing, you know, sometimes finishing fourth instead of seventh, that was important because you needed the money. But, but his take on everything was always, if I play good golf, the money and everything else will take care of itself. And, and I think it's it's the same thing when, when you get players at any level. And in the pros, a lot of times, the problem is you've got these incentives put in there, too. And that's where, hey, if you get 100 RBIs, you sure. get an extra 100 grand. Absolutely. It's like, well, hang on now. Coach wants me to bunt. I got 99 right now. Eh. You know, but, but, it, but in college, like for, for Rodrigo's spotlight, don't worry about Lou Groza. You go out there. Uh, Georgia beats LSU. You make all your kicks. That that's people remember that more than the Lou Gross. I mean, I, I can honestly tell you, you are sitting in a room talking with your number one fan right now. I know you are all SEC, all American, all that good stuff. But what Georgia fans remember, the kick against BYU, 
the kick against Clemson, you the championships, playing in Sugar Bowls, winning SEC championships, the kick at the end of the first half against Ole Miss. I think about Rex Robinson, the the fifty seven yarder against South Carolina, the, the field goal in the Sugar Bowl. That's what fans remember. It's the winning plays in the championships. You do that. So, yeah, you and Rex, you got All-American. You got All-SEC. You're named to these all-time teams. You were on the Walter Camp all-time team. All that stuff is great. But for your fans, it's the winning. It's the clutch plays, whether you're a kicker, a running back. It's making the big plays in the big moments that deliver championships. Sony Michelle. One of the best we've ever had. What's he always going to be remembered for? That run in the Rose yeah, Bowl. Yeah, Who I cares mean, if he was All-American or not? It's exactly right. I mean, you know, I, I look back at my career. I, I don't – I never based my career on accolades. I based it on how my teammates looked at me and felt about me as a player. Could I help them? Did I prepare? And that's where I got my satisfaction from. And all of my teammates from college to pros, there would be one common theme that they would say about me, and it doesn't have to do with kicking. It has to do with preparation, that that Butler did it the same way as any other football player. He prepared himself to play. And when he went out there, there was no moment too big for him. Now, I didn't – I wasn't successful in every of them, but the moment didn't scare me. I looked forward to that moment, and I think that's what you have to do. If you start looking and placing goals at a college level to where the only thing I want to do is get you know, an All-American, all I want to do is become the Groza Award winner or you know, the, the Thorpe Award winner or you know, the, whatever it might be, the Maxwell Award, whatever position it is, you kind of stop. I want it to play at the next level. I want it to keep getting better. No matter what, Walter Camp wasn't going to help me make the Chicago Bears. Uh, All-American status didn't help me make the Chicago Bears. Kicking at Georgia, preparing, and not shying away from the biggest, brightest moments is what helped me make the Chicago Bears. And that's what this team needs to do. They have huge moments awaiting them Saturday at the Mercedes-Benz. Each and every one of them should just have trouble sleeping this week thinking about the opportunities they have to just be a superstar and a game changer and a playmaker. That's what we need, playmakers this week. Bears have won one Super Bowl. You made all three field goals in that Super Bowl. Okay, now now you have been, and I want to throw something in here about Kirby and what he's done. And and I I do talk about this often, but, but I think it bears repeating. In Coach Rick's last home game, we beat Georgia Southern in overtime 23-17. Now, you think I'm stressful tech week. I'm from Statesboro. Uh, Georgia Southern and tech back-to-back 23-17 and 13-7. That was a long fortnight. I'm sure uh, it as, was. As they would say. Okay, Kirby's first home game, we beat Nichols State 26-24. to All right? Three years later, we've gone 11-1, and three consecutive seasons. We have beaten tech three straight. Florida three straight, uh, counting the 2017 SEC title game. Auburn three straight, beating Tennessee three straight to take that all-time series lead, and three straight trips to the SEC championship game. And uh, when when you talk about records, there's some numbers that that stick out there. You know, number of home runs, number of touchdowns, whatever it may be. But I, I've always thought a lot of times when you go to records, it's the the company you keep. Uh, the, the Giants had a third baseman, the Kung Fu Panda, 
Pablo Sandoval. He hit three home runs in a World Series game. I think it was in 2012 against the Rangers. And you hear like, wow, that's an amazing accomplishment. But then you see the other four guys who had done that were Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, Reggie Jackson, and Albert Pujols. And it's like, holy cow, that's that's pretty good company. And, and I think for you, uh, when, when you were at Georgia, uh, you were breaking or setting records or were in the push for records with, with guys like Rex Robinson, with Herschel Walker. And then when you got to the pros, guys like Walter Payton, when, when you're talking about scoring, uh, when, when you broke the, the consecutive field goals made record, you're talking about uh, guys like Jan Stenerud and Gary Anderson. So you could appreciate the company you keep. Well, for three straight trips to the SEC championship game, Kevin, the only other coaches who've done that, and the championship game started in 1992, or Steve Spurrier, Gene Stallings, and Nick Saban. For Kirby, I mean, to me, as great an accomplishment as everything we've done here at Georgia these three years, and, and certainly beating the rivals is huge, but to be in that company, that's very impressive. Well, it is, and, and congratulations to Kirby and his staff and, and the administration and, and the athletic administration. I mean, it's there's a lot that's gone into it. I mean, we've gotten a lot of great uh, assets for this program through facilities, um, through changing the little things to put this program at a first-class program. How they travel, how they treat the players, the nutrition, the study hall, the mentors. It's everything that goes into the experience about being a Georgia Bulldog that has changed. Mark Rick did an unbelievable job. He brought us from the 2000s up to where we were. Kirby learned how to get to the top through his days at Alabama, and he has brought that philosophy here and has done an unbelievable job. His challenge now is going to be keeping up with the Joneses. And what I mean by keeping up with the Joneses is this college game evolves always. Right now, you know, we talk about defense. My, my era, defense always wins championships. Don't know if that's true anymore. I think offense really wins championships now. Defenses can keep you in it, but you have to be able to score. All the rules, all the new rules that are coming in. They're slanted for the offense. Absolutely. They want to see more scoring. They think that's entertainment. That's what makes people watch. That's what makes the ratings go up. That's what makes everybody money. Georgia and LSU, if they go to a 10-6 to game, Everybody's going to say it was a horrible game. Mm-hmm. LSU usually scores 50. Georgia, you know, they want to see what they already have in their mind as what's going to happen. And that's going to be LSU rolling over Georgia because nobody can stop their offense. And, you know, Georgia has the chance to make that statement that, you know, the, the philosophy and the style that we play is every bit as good as what LSU does, but it's done differently. I think that's probably the biggest worry we have at Georgia is it is done differently. Uh, we're not throwing up 52 unless it was on Georgia Tech. Uh, but people aren't throwing up 52 on us. People aren't throwing up 22 on us. People haven't thrown up 21 on us. So if 21 hits Saturday, um, this team will still be in it. They're not going to be worried about it because they know what kind of team they have to play. I don't think we have the respect on offense um, that we deserve uh, because of the way that we've been playing. Um, and I think that's rightfully so. I think, you know, the respect, you have to earn it. Um, and Georgia has a chance to go out and earn it this weekend. Um, the one thing I know for a fact is we haven't done all the stuff that we can do. We haven't run all the plays that we run. 
Um, and maybe that's by design. I, I don't know. But you have a lot more offense to be able to be seen from Georgia uh, than what we've seen this year. Georgia has played very, very vanilla all year long. And I think their players have played to that, that color. When it comes to 21, I'd rather get it than the dealer get it. We know that. So if Georgia <laughs> could get 21 and LSU's got 20, that'd be just fine. It would be just fine. And I think, just you know. Just like in Vegas. Yeah, just like in Vegas. I mean, you know, at, at seven and a half points, it opened up at three and a half. And I think it jumped straight up to seven and a half because everybody's putting their money on LSU. I would expect for it to go up a little bit more, to be honest wow. with you. I think that um, if they want to get that Georgia money, um, they're going to have to get some more points out there because right now they've got everybody freaked out uh, about just how good LSU is. I've been around the game a long, long time. Uh, I've seen this story play out many, many times. Uh, I have been on the end of this story on both ends of it. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no given. That's why they play the game. Um, LSU is going to be coming into a pro-Georgia atmosphere. Um, That's not like being in Death Valley at nighttime. Uh, They're a better team at nighttime in Death Valley. Last time we went down there, we beat them. Well, two times ago, we beat them. Right. You know, last time we got rolled by them. Um, it's a matter of getting off on the right foot, not causing any specialty teams, blunders, uh, not putting the ball on the ground, not giving up the big play. I mean, it's nothing more than this team has done to win games. And if you go in there thinking you have to do something that you haven't done um, that's that's kind of where you get defeated. Hey, I just want to just that maybe the LSU is clearly one of the the great teams that that Georgia's faced. Uh, when you're talking about in this decade, you'd say 2010 Auburn, uh, that the the LSU team in the 2011 title game, 2012 Bama, Bama in 15, uh, two years ago Bama in Oklahoma. I, I was thinking back through your career, uh, 81 Clemson and Pitt, Penn State the next year. The Auburn 83 team, probably Florida 84, probably the best teams that we played during your four years here. Any one of them kind of kind of stand out as maybe going in, you thought this this is going to be a heck of a challenge for us? Well, to be honest with you, it was my first Sugar Bowl when I looked at uh, Pittsburgh. Dan you know, Marino. You know, you look at all the people they had. I was kind of in awe just about being on the same field with them. They had a – Bill Fralick. You know, Bill Fralick was a freshman. That whole offensive line were all first-round picks. Jimbo Covert was Jimbo on there. Covert, Mark May. Bill, uh, Bill Mayo, Mark May. Um, they were they John were Brown. You had Hugh Green on defense. Sal Sinceri was a linebacker. Ricky Jackson. Ricky Jackson. Lord, I mean, they, were, go, they were a, Bill a, a Moss. Dawkins was a receiver. Yeah, Bill Moss. Oh man. Um, you looked at them and you went, "Wow, that was like a well, it, it was a pro team." How? how yeah. How are we going to? How know, are we going to? Did we do mention it? the quarterback? He was pretty. Yeah, good. he was pretty good too. <laughs> um, you know, so you look at games like that. I think you can get um, in awe sometimes, but you know, then I'd look at my sideline and I'd see who was on that and. Um, all of a sudden, you got a calming effect over you and go, okay, let's go play. Let's see what happens. Let's deal the cards and, and go out there and do it. And that's what George is going to do. And that's probably the best thing that Kirby and his staff um, do on a daily basis is they get these guys mentally ready. Um, I like being the underdog. I like having no chance. I like everybody in the nation picking against Georgia because um, there's no pressure at that point. The pressure, um, you know, we had, we had pressure uh, uh, through November. Um, and we came out on, 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 on the great end of all of those games, and, and that's what you have to do. 
Um, people go, oh, well, you know, they fought back in the fourth quarter. Well, damn right they fought back in the fourth quarter. They're good teams. They're right. not going to fight. But we, we kept them so far down for three quarters that it was too far for them to fight back. And you're going to get those kind of teams' best punch in the fourth quarter. Did Auburn score 48 against us? No. Uh, did, did, did they score it against Alabama? Absolutely. Um, you just got to, you know, believe in yourself. Um, you know, and at the same term, did, did we score 52 or something on no. Texas A&M? Absolutely not. Um, you know, did LSU? Absolutely. Uh, but LSU also, you know, faced uh, a lot of weak teams this year that scored points on them. Um, so I think there's something to be found in trying to find the holes in LSU's resume, and George will do a good job of that. Okay, we're able to throw some numbers at you. You ready for this? Bring them on. All right. The number eight, uh, going back to 2002, that was Georgia's first SEC championship game appearance. Georgia has been in eight, which is the most over that stretch. Alabama's been in seven. Pretty good stuff. That's there. pretty good stuff. Of course, it took 10 years to get there. I, I never will forget. In 1992, we should have gone. We, we had Eric Zier, Garrison Hurst, Andre Hastings, Shannon Mitchell, Bernard Williams, Randall Godfrey. We had such a great team. Uh, we, we turned it over six times and lost to Tennessee, 34-31. Then we blew the game in Jacksonville, 26-24. Garrison Hurst is leading the Heisman race, and we give him 14 carries. Just So, anyway, so that's about the first two years the SEC championship game was in Birmingham. They had horrible weather. That was a good move. So I was with my buddies, Jay and Ty, and we get in the car Sunday morning to drive back to Athens, you know, the old trail of tears when Florida was dominating us. And the first two songs that come on the radio on that classic rock station were Sweet Home Alabama and The House of the Rising Sun. Where there is a house in New Orleans. And I wanted to go to Birmingham and then to New Orleans. But guess what? We went to Orlando instead. And so there was no SEC championship and no Sugar Bowl. And lo and behold, 10 years later, we finally made it. And, and, and since then, there are a couple other years we should have gone, but Georgia has been to the most. Uh, four and two. This will be the fourth meeting between Georgia and LSU. That is the second most frequent behind Alabama and Florida, which has been to nine. Pretty big. Yep, good stuff there. LSU, an odd six. The Tigers have been to Atlanta in 01, beat Tennessee. 03, beat us. 05, lost us. 07, beat Tennessee. 11, beat us when uh, your son and their punter, Brad Wing, had, I think, six straight punts between the two of them that were 60-plus yards. That was pretty crazy. A couple of bombers. And then this year, so all of us, LSU's SEC championship games have come in odd-numbered years. Well, let's just, just hope like it's a very that. odd <laughs> feeling for them uh, Saturday because it's, uh, you know, one of the best LSU teams they've had. Um, and, you know, is it a switching of the guard in the West right now? And I think everybody believes that it is. Um, LSU's uh, recruiting great right now. Uh, the dominance they put on Alabama this year was something that uh, could be lasting. Uh, but, you know, you got to figure next year – they're going to turn around, um, and they're going to have to face these two teams again, and, sure. and we'll see what happens. But um, Alabama usually comes back. When they get bit, they, they usually come back, and I, I think Saban will certainly uh, have yeah, his with, team back there. Yeah, with the Bama thing, people, the dynasty, and he's like, okay, well, they've had the number one recruiting class now nine out of 12 years. 
This is the first time since 2010 they didn't go 11 and one or 12 and 0. They lost to Auburn by three and LSU by five. So let's let's kind of pump the brakes on uh, throwing dirt on those guys. Yeah, right I, I'm not yeah, throwing any yeah. dirt on them. I'm just saying no, right no, I now. Know. I yeah, know. right yeah, now yeah, they've got dirt on their face, um, and, and it's he, only what, on their face. What was what was saving? He was duped. He was duped. He by was the treated Gus unfair. Bus. Unfair by the Gus bus. So. Uh, un- unbelievable that uh, college football is uh, still consistently the the best sport out there. It's my favorite form of football. Uh, high school probably comes second, and then you get the uh, NFL, which has uh, become a political force so far. So um, I love college football, and um, this weekend is not only a big weekend in the state of Georgia, there's a lot of championships we need to talk about. A lot of championships out there now, and like you said, uh, Clemson, uh, you you got to think they're going to blow Virginia away. Ohio State's already blown Wisconsin away, so you got to think that's going to happen. Utah and Oregon, a lot of intrigue there. If Utah beats Oregon and LSU beats Georgia, uh, Utah could certainly slide in there as that number four, or is it the Oklahoma-Baylor winner? Well, it really doesn't matter. Um, if LSU beats Georgia, one of those teams is going to get in there, say, if they win. What's going to happen after that? It's going to be another embarrassing, embarrassing semifinal game. Whoever has to play the number one team will get rolled out of the stadium, whether it's Baylor, whether it's Utah, whether it's Oklahoma. Um, They do not have the quality of football players that, again, we'll find at the end of the year that are down in this neck of the woods in the southeast, the ACC, and Clemson is the only one I'm talking about. Uh, The Clemson, Virginia – uh, championship game is just unfortunate for football. To think that Virginia is going in a 30-point underdog into a championship game and then will go to a bowl game such as the Orange Bowl and represent the ACC, um, they should go to the Orange Bowl as a welcoming committee for another team and not from the ACC. Um, you know, and we've heard talk about Georgia possibly going down there. I think that's been – uh, maybe be, be sugar been, probably, but you never know. could be in play. You don't know. We were in sugar last year. Uh, sometimes the bowl games don't mm-hmm. want teams two years in a row. Uh, but to, for Georgia to have to go play a Virginia team uh, and then turn around and open up with a Virginia team next no, year, no. Um, it's a disservice to the fan base of Georgia, and it's really a disservice to, to, to championship football right now. Um, it, it's just unfortunate that you have a championship game that has a – uh, Clemson minus 29. And then you look, you go up to Ohio State and Wisconsin. Ohio State manhandled Wisconsin. I think maybe that could be closer this time around because I think Wisconsin has the opportunity to get a little bit more physical and just get down and dirty with these guys and try to eat the clock up. Um, but, you know, you saw Ohio State just uh, tear through them. Uh, again, another lopsided championship game. I was looking this morning, you're talking about the, just the power, if you want to say the SEC and Clemson. I was looking at a mock first round, and over half the first round picks were SEC. And, of course, Clemson had another two or three in there, too. So, I mean, that's in the end. Well, that's... please make sure the Falcons know that so they'll stay away from all those picks. 
They hate I, drafting SEC players. My, my buddy Robbie had said one time when, when, when they beat the Saints in New Orleans, and he's a big Falcons fan, loves Georgia the most, but loves the Falcons. And I said, well, didn't you want them to kind of lose to the Saints to, you know, help their drafts? And he goes, hey, it doesn't matter as bad as they pick. It doesn't matter where they're going to blow the pick anyway. So you might Because that is a thing, and you see a lot of these teams, the Dolphins have done it, the Raiders have done it. And I get the premise of trying to stockpile picks. That's step one. But then step two, you got to make the right picks then, too. Those guys, most of the guys in the front office at most pro teams have never put a helmet on at the professional level. Now, I know a lot of people go, oh, here you go. You're going to say they haven't done it, so they don't know. That's exactly what I'm saying. They haven't done it, so they don't know what the friggin' eye test is. And to be plain and simple, is he a good football player? Yeah. You try to. They try to pick somebody out of the, the sky. Well, you didn't know about it. Watch this guy. They try to be You're, the smartest guy in the room too often. And you know what? And they yeah. they become the dumbest person in the room very quickly. And then yes. they start making excuses. Well, you know, if he if he had this, if he had a tackle next to him, if he had a le- – no. Because you look at the, the SEC, you look at Ohio State, look at the top eight to ten teams. There's certainly a lot of jewels out there in college football that we see, and they come in, they become all pros, Hall of Famers, everything. Let's look at Lynn Bowden at Kentucky. But when you're trying to build a team up and you're trying to create an offensive line like the Falcons did, they were making picks last year that made absolutely zero sense. Reaching. Zero, zero sense. And you know what? Hoping and reaching. If Arthur Blank does not make a management change this year – Guess what you're going to be doing next year with the Falcons? The same friggin' thing you're doing this year. It's over. Eight games in, it's over. Well, and, and you need a mix, I think, when you're, you're making picks. You certainly don't need everybody because I do take offense sometimes. From play- if you ain't had your hand in the dirt, you know, well, now listen, it's football. As, as my buddy Brame said one time, it's like, well, I've never produced a movie, but I can tell you The Godfather was great and Howard the Duck sucked. But at the same time, you've you've got to have, I think, that, that never player, produced a movie. That coaching, that you've got to have that angle. I think the more different angles – that you have people looking at things, people that know the game, that love the game, you can make the right choice. And you're right, there are gems out there, and God knows we could do, when, when the draft comes up, we'll do a long show on it. Most, and I say most, of your quote-unquote smaller school players who became great players in the NFL were first-round picks because they're jumping. I think about guys like Phil Sims. I certainly now, when when – Integration started coming in the South. That was a game changer. But I'll give you Walter Payton, Jerry Rice, again, Phil Sims, the smaller school guys, Joe Flacco, who went out and had terrific careers. You know about those guys. Now, we'll, we'll flip that. Let's go with three guys who were picked later and who became great players. Tom Brady went to Michigan. Terrell Davis went to Georgia. Richard Sherman went to Stanford. Joe Montana was a third-round pick. He went to Notre Dame. To your point, don't outthink the room. No, and I think that's all they try to do. And you know, when you I'm when you say that to people, I yeah, I want to show you how I'm smart I am. No, I didn't me. play, but you know, it doesn't mean I don't know football. That's a, a journalistic excuse. They want to get all hot and I, I can read and I can watch film. I, yeah, you can. But are you in that room twenty four seven? No, you're not. So I'm not in the newsroom twenty four seven. I don't want to do your job. Don't think that the press can do their job. What they need to do when they're in the war room is concentrate on football. 
Don't concentrate on, I'm going to be the smartest guy. I'm going to make the pick that everybody's going to go, how did he know he'd do that? You find those picks a lot more being questioned oh, God, than yeah. you do getting a pat on the back. And that's all I'm saying. The Falcons have consistently, consistently picked bad in the draft. The one thing they did was when they traded for Julio, a tremendous player, but they changed all their philosophy over one player. You don't have to practice. We love you. Oh, you're going to hold out again this year? We'll pay you more. Oh, you're going to hold out again this year? You just held out last year. We're going to pay you more. Oh, you're going to hold out for a third year in a row. We're going to pay you more. Oh, and I by the way, a- you don't need to play. You don't need to practice. But we love you. And I have more money than God, so I can do this kind of thing. Bad it's, look. it's a bad look. And um, it doesn't help Matt Ryan stay off his ass. Worst offensive line in pro football. Give me a little comic book by guy. Worst offensive line ever. Worst offensive line ever. Yeah, so it's talking about some executives who, and a lot of times you see it in sports, it's kind of the, the Peter principle, and I'm sure people, and I'm sure there were guys with the Bears who are like, how does this guy keep getting promoted there? But when you There's just – the president, he's still there, Ted <laughs> Phillips. The only consistent piece of crap the Bears have had, and he's the CEO. He, if he goes – the Bears will have a chance. Can, can you give me a little uh, Napoleon Dynamite? Idiot. He's an idiot. So, I, I was just thinking that was the reverse of poker. Now, blackjack's always been my game. I'm a horrible poker player. And I, I was always hit told. Me. Well, I, Mr. Hit, uh, <laughs> Mr. Dansley, you're on a 19. Hit me. Hit me. Hit me again. Great, uh, great uh, Simpsons one time. Hit me. Mr. Simpson, you have 19. Ace, 20. Hit me. Ace, 21. <laughs> hit me. Ace, 22. Dope. But So I, I'm a terrible poker player, and I was always reminded of the old saying that if you sit down at a poker table and you can't recognize who the sucker is, you're the sucker. You need to get up and leave that exactly. table. I've been right at that away. table before. So, and I kind of think, so if, if you're that guy and you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to show them I'm the smartest guy in the room. If that's your mentality, then you've probably surrounded yourself with people where you are the smartest guy in the room, uh, which is also, you know, kind of akin to there's always going to be a smartest guy in the dumbest class. Just be careful. With yeah. that. I mean, it's it's one of those things I've always said. No, you're hitting too close to home. No, I, if, if I was magically named, say, I don't know, athletic director of Georgia or president of the Yankees or something tomorrow, I would go out and find like the 10 smartest people I know where I would be number 11. Just help me look good. And that also goes back for me growing up at Georgia, being around Coach Dooley and Coach McGill. What was so important to their incredible success, they did not care who got the credit. As long as the job got done. Well, I think it kind of goes back to the you know what we were talking about earlier with players, players looking for individual accolades. Um, I think it's that philosophy. When you have coaches and people like that that don't care about it, they preach that to you, and then you go out there and that's how you perform. And I think that goes through um, just the the core of of what great teams are built on. You know, in Chicago when we won the, the championship, we didn't care. Who got? As long as you were. As long as we just had fun and everybody was involved, it did not matter who did what. As long as we did it and we won, that's what it's all about. You can't spell undefeated without fun. I, Coach McGill would always do it, would crack me up when somebody comes, damn good idea. I'm glad I thought of it. That's exactly right. <laughs> the best ideas I've always heard. Well, KB, uh, Georgia and LSU coming up on, on Saturday. I'm 
so excited to, to be there. We'll be doing our show. Now, it's, it's a private event, but we'll be at the park it's bar. Park bar, so we're encouraging everybody to come storm, and just storm, storm the Bastille. Come up there and just, you walk in and you say that Jeff and Kevin invited you. <laughs> foot and mouth, you heard that foot and mouth was going to be broadcasting from the park bar. Um, and then, you know, they can only, they can get rid of us if they want. But uh, it'll be great. You know, it's... Um, it's that time of year. Have you done any uh, Christmas shopping yet? No, we did get our tree. But I, I do want to throw in one more thing. This is a deal. Now, here's the answer, money. Just so, so Commissioner Sankey should just say money. But for a second year in a row, why are we playing this game? It's bad for the league because for a second year in a row, we'd be guaranteed getting two teams in the playoff if we didn't play the championship game. So what we're saying to you Georgia fans, the ones that are most committed – to the Bulldogs being successful this year. Figure out a way to shut down Mercedes-Benz on Saturday. Shut down, hashtag, shut down the Benz. Shut down the Benz, hashtag. Because if that happens, we won't make it up. No game. Because there's four, stuff going. We're four, they're one, two. And We're then we'll send that committee into the room and see what happens. Same thing would have happened last year. No, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's really a beautiful thing. We just have to figure out how to hashtag... Shut down the bins. Exactly. And, and then I could just see that, that would be one if somebody did ask the commissioner that he should just go, it's it's not the money. It's the amounts of money. Yeah, no and doubt. It's a tremendous amount. So that's why we're playing if, this I, game. We'll just put it out in the little contest. If you can shut down the bins. Oh, well, now. You are in the park well, bar. Legally here. We don't want, you know. Well, I don't think it's going to happen legally. No, no, no. Threats. I think it's going to have to be some. No, like a hacker. A hacker going in there the and then taking out the electricity. Well, how about on those? Uh, you know, when you're coming down 85, they've got those those giant those big black um, message boards over the interstate. Yeah, they're like traffic backed up. Yeah, so game canceled due to SEC wanting to get both teams in. I like that. Okay, somebody could hack into that easily. <laughs> there you go. Don't you think? We are not encouraging. Let me just be. No, we are. Here. We are not encouraging any terroristic threats. No, here. this is Please. not terroristic. This is just SEC. <laughs> terroristic would be uh, across state lines. I believe. <laughs> We're all asking all this to happen in Fulton County, <laughs> where bad stuff goes on Kevin by our politicians Butler, all the time. It, it, hackers are being encouraged here. Sure. Right. I mean, go find the mayor. You know, the mayor's got something illegal going. Oh my God! I also. I also hope when everybody's getting down there, because one of my things, we're so blessed and you know, being around college sports all my life, most big college games are in college towns. You, know, you park, you can walk, you can do all this. One of the biggest headaches going down, whether it's to see the SEC championship when Georgia's playing in Atlanta, if you're going to a Hawks game, when we used to play basketball games, Georgia, when we'd be down at the Old Omni, it's just hard to get around down there and then leave it to the city of Atlanta so many times. Like when we played in that kickoff classic, they've got Dragon Con going on. I'm sure there'll be some kind of no, road race going no, on. No, let me yet. tell you what it is. On the 7th, which will be um, – 40-year anniversary of the Reed Ann Raiders state championship over Marist High School, December 7th, 1979. You were quarterback and kicker? We won with a field goal, which I think will happen Saturday, but we'll get into that in a minute. And who was on that Marist team? Um, Your future snapper. Oh, Paul, Paul Messer was. That's right. Yeah. He's still bitter about that He should be goal. bitter yeah. about it. We beat their ass. I mean, that's <laughs> what happens in the championship. You could become bitter. But um, the – Children's Christmas Parade, which is one of the biggest ones in Atlanta, 
is happening that morning. So if you're trying to get down there, just take a look, figure out when it's happening, See. where it's going to be at, and go around that. Or better yet, go down Friday, get you a hotel room, get snookered drunk, mm-hmm. talk a bunch of crap to LSU people, and then sleep in and get ready for the game. And when you wake up, the parade's over, and yeah. then it won't be a hassle. So you're making me feel guilty now. I was talking about there'd be something to clog up traffic, and it's a, a kid's parade. Well, you can push them out of the way. They're just kids. Oh, my gosh. It's like well, I was doing a broadcast. One and if time. it really gets heated, just look at them and go, hey, kid, Santa's not real. Oh, my gosh. Well, at least we can put up a Christmas tree this year. I had to do that in New York one time. I had to do that in New York. We go to New York. Uh, we have the senior banquet for our football team Sunday night. In New York? No, here in Athens. And I, that's good, yeah. And then we we leave for New York Monday morning. By the, is that not the – all you and the Hall of – I know Scott Werner said he said he'll never miss it again. That, that thing's just awesome. It's awesome. We we have a wonderful time. It's it's a black tie event. Um, this is, I think, the last year it will be at the Hilton because well, they have out. been – don't forget to pack your pants this time because know, yeah. for the event down at the Hall of Fame, I no pants. Kevin's up there, Kathy, Emily, and I, we're down in the uh, living room and just, I don't know if it was the ironing board, the iron, or both all got thrown at once. And I'm like, yeah, I'll go look. And you go, the bleepity bleep dry cleaners, they returned my jacket, but not my pants. Yeah, Mrs. Chen, she had my, uh, <laughs> she still had my pants, so I had to go back up and call them and. She's nice. I've gone to them forever, but they got separated. But I did get the pants back, which was very but nice. But not that night. You had to change up your whole. No, I had to change the whole, you, you the know, and then all down. of a sudden I had to get a new tie, and that takes at least a minute. And it's just, it's a it's a tough transition. <laughs> and and it, was, it was a heck of a drive down there when uh, when it was in the, the teeth of bumper-to-bumper traffic, and yet you were still trying to go 90 when there was no space to be had. But, I believe we had Uncle Nearest driving that day. Man, that was, uh, let's just say that the old oh shit bar, I was clinging tightly yeah, to that one. You, you only honked Your about right arm was seemed pumped up when we got there, a little bit bigger than your left <laughs> that arm. That was a frightening drive, I got to say. Well, that's that stuff happens. but um, <laughs> And it all goes back to having no pants. True. A lot of my problems in life have started without having pants, but that's yet so another So you'll have your pants for podcast. the Hall of Fame. I'll have them. So we go there Monday. Um, that's my wife's birthday. Happy birthday. Beautiful. December 9th. She is, uh, the, I'm the luckiest man in the world to have her. So She's we're going to awesome. be up there. We'll celebrate her birthday. I've got a little uh, special thing she doesn't know about. We've got some reservations, a couple of places. Kathy, so don't listen. There's something you don't know about. She doesn't listen. Don't worry about okay. that. Um, um, so we'll go to that. And then Tuesday, um, Rodrigo, who is a, a national scholar athlete, will be up there. He's also going to be. One of the finalists down at the Groza Award. That's given the night of the ninth, Monday night. So if he's there, he'll have to get back up to New York immediately. Big luncheon with the Scholar Athletes that day, Tuesday. And then we start our uh, cocktail party, which you see everybody um, that has anything to do with college football, which is the greatest. Uh, I see a lot of my heroes who I'm uh, in the Hall of Fame with. Uh, the one that I always go up to and say hello to is is Roger Staubach, who was oh, my hero. Because the Cowboys were your team growing up, yeah. Cowboys were my team growing up. I, you know, you could you you knew who was going to be on the team each year. Um, but, you know, seeing everybody, it, it, it's just fun because a lot of my teammates um, that I played with in Chicago uh, from other universities are there, and certainly uh, all the Bulldogs that are Scott Warner. We got Stenscombe. Um, we, 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 we'll have um, Herschel, Co- Coach Ho, Smart, I'm yeah. sure, will be there this year because of Rodrigo. Um, you would hope that. 
and then uh, um, you know we, we have a wonderful time there and then we come back and then I've got a uh, Christmas party with my uh, granddaughter Friday Bridget and then I turn around and we go to Chicago got some sales meetings up there and then um, heck I come back home and it's it's the week of Christmas so Big month. Uh, hopefully, during this whole time, we'll be getting ready for the semifinal game on the twenty eighth. Oh, be so nice, and um, that's what we're hoping for. So, uh, the dog world that's out there listening to us, um, keep faith, keep the hope, and um, just let's focus on Saturday and doing all the little things that we need to do to win. For some reason, this has jumped to my head. The great John Esner. Uh, we won the two thousand seven national championship. He was, of course, playing number one. Uh, Virginia had a great player named Sanjev Devarman. Uh, we won the national championship. Uh, then in the singles final, uh, Devarman beat John uh, a week later, 7-6 in the third. It was a heartbreaker. And you know, John, the ultimate class act, he, he got out there and, and he said, you know, I, I wanted to win this, but there's no way I would trade this indivi- the individual trophy for the team championship that we won. And that, I mean, you talk about tearing up right there because he had a chance to do what – the great Michael Pernforce did, yep. and, and win the, the the team championship and and the individual, and of course Michael beat his roommate George Pizzacchi there. I, you know, so we Alan, win it one so way the, the great other. Alan Miller. I'm like, well, did you? He goes, no, I didn't go. I watch him play every day. I knew what was going <laughs> to. It's like I knew how the match was going to go. I knew the, their strengths and weaknesses, but but so and, and I know John wanted to win that at, at home, but I mean, when, when he said there is no way I would trade that team championship for this one, that's just. One of those. So the, the individual awards out there, for you kids out there, the individual awards, those come when the team wins. And the way you become a legend is to become a champion. And George is going to try and do just that on Saturday. Yeah, I think the, the one thing I can say to all athletes out there, the best individual awards you'll ever get come when you've already left the game. And if you can get, obtain those, um, that's the biggest smile you ever have on your face. Free Perry's camera, hashtag. Yeah, let's talk about Perry for one second as we close out our uh, episode 11 here. Perry McIntyre. Um, in the middle of the scrum. Middle of the scrum last week with uh, George Pickens, who won't be playing this week, who, you know, is just uh, and I think immature. That's Pat Swilling's kid. Swilling's kid. Uh, who, Pat was a Who won't great be playing player. this week either. <laughs> no, no, nor will no suspension. Else. <laughs> the, whole, the whole program's been suspended for the rest of the year. They will not be playing. Um, but uh, Perry Mack, you know, went down and you saw him kind of box out. He was taking a picture of the touchdown on the other side of the field when Pickens and Swilling came in, hit his camera out of his face, fell on the ground, and, and Perry went to the, the classic soccer box out mm-hmm. and was backing him up. Well, you know, as we said and as we reported in postgame, the SEC has been looking into it. They have just come out about ten minutes ago. We saw it come across the wire that Perry is suspended. First quarter. First quarter of the SEC championship game. He's going to ha- – and if he doesn't want to stay off the field, he'll have to take pictures with the old box camera that you get developed at your photo store. Mm-hmm. So if you see a guy out there with a the little Kodak box and every time he ticks it, he has to turn it and, and move it to the next negative, that's Perry. But he was very physical. Mm-hmm. He threw a few punches. Um, and they say he used some slurs. I don't know what that mm-hmm. means. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, – Hopefully we can hear from Perry. Yeah, and hopefully the camera uh, will be replaced. He, he's made quite a claim on it there. So Yeah, I mean, uh, he's taking uh, – I think they're going in front of Judge Wapner next week, dun, and dun, um, dun, dun. they're going to they're gonna come dun, to a, dun, a quick and uh, – um, what do you say? 
confident and decisive conclusion. Bang the gavel. Let's hope he gets it. If not, that's about $7,500 down the drain. <laughs> Leave it to the dogs and the jackets. Exactly. And, uh, you know, one of the great misnomers of all that, that clean, old-fashioned hate, ain't nothing clean about it. It's just old-fashioned hate. I, I've always not liked that. Clean, I, old. It ain't clean. Well, there's nothing clean about hate. No. Hate brings everything into play. So you can be as dirty as you want if you hate somebody. Because when they go, why'd you do that? You go, because I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. Pretty simple. Why'd you pick that knife pick up and stab them? Because I hate them. Well, Emily told me there was a, she she had a a student a few years ago, and he he hit another kid who had, of course, hit him first. And she goes, well, why'd you hit him? I don't like the little bastard. (laughs) It's like, like, well, okay. (laughs) All right. Could you use that that in a sentence? (laughs) Yes. I don't like the little bastard, <laughs> period. Very good. You can go sit down now. Point. All right, KB, it was a lot of fun. Thank you for everything, buddy. You too, my man. Give me a prediction. LSU 31, Georgia 32. 32 to 31. I like that. I'm going with uh, Georgia 31, LSU 28. I'll take that. Georgia wins, and, and, and they cover the over. So the three teams that have separated themselves this year, LSU, Clemson, Ohio State, just going to have to win three games against those three teams to win it all? Why not? This team's had their backs against the wall Well, the we, we've won more games this year against top-rated teams than anybody in the yep. nation. So um, it's not too big of a mountain for us to climb. Is it a steep mountain? It sure is. But uh, I like our Bulldogs. I like our coaching staff. I love our fans. Get your ticket. Get in that stadium. Let's rock it. Let's Unless support you hack them. it and cancel it. Yeah. And if you, again, if you hack it and you cut all the electricity off for at least 11 hours. We'll get you a foot and mouth t-shirt. And you'll be uh, our guest at the park bar. After you get out of the Gray Bar Motel. No, no, no. You won't get in there. We know the governor. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> SEC, we got to get two teams in. Love it. All right, guys. Thanks so much for being with us today. Hey, we went over an hour today having a great time here with foot and mouth.